everybody, it's me, Katie Asaurus, and welcome back to Infinite Quest. This week on the podcast, we were honored and genuinely surprised to have author, educator, and just all-around badass Casey Davis, aka Domestic Blisters from over on TikTok, on the podcast. However, uh, Casey Davis is a fascinating human being, and I felt like she is a guest who really needs a bio before we start the episode. Um, and so full disclosure, I'm reading this off of her website because I want to get it right. Um, but Casey Davis is a licensed professional therapist. She's an author, she's a speaker, and most importantly, she is the person behind the mental health platform Struggle Care and Domestic Blisters over on TikTok. Um, so Casey began her therapy journey um, when she was 16, when she she entered treatment for drug addiction and mental health issues. After she got sober, she became a speaker and advocate for mental health and recovery. Um, and professionally, Casey has worked most of her career in the field of addiction in roles like therapist, consultant, and executive director. Um, like I said earlier, she's also the author of the best-selling book, uh, How to Keep House While Drowning, which if you haven't read you need to. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying you absolutely need to. If you are listening to this podcast, you need to own Casey's book. Um, we have put a link to uh, the new and updated revised pre-order uh, in the show notes. You can check that out. And we will have more information up on our website about Casey and all of the incredible work that she's doing later. But full disclosure of... <laughs> God damn it. Leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. My COVID test is ready. Uh, I have recorded this seven separate times uh, because that's how my day is going and Eric's phone just rang. So you know what? We're going to leave it in. Um, but we're, we're going to have a whole page for Casey over on infinitequestpodcast.com. Um, but today is not that day because GoDaddy is broken. So we will get that up as soon as we can. But we couldn't wait to drop this episode because honestly, it's just really fantastic and I'm super excited about it. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Sorry about Eric. And uh, get ready because here comes the show. I'm sorry. Oh boy. There was a dog. I was distracted. That was Doug. Hi, everybody. It's me, Katie Asaurus. And welcome back to Infinite Quest. Uh, so, hey, you probably found me on TikTok. Uh, and if you didn't, what are you doing here? Uh, but we have a very special guest uh, this day. Uh, you know her as Domestic Blisters over on TikTok. And you know her as Casey Davis in real life. It's Casey Davis. Thanks for being here, Casey Davis. Hello. I am. This is probably the most excited I've been to be on a podcast so far. <laughs> I'm really. Well, thanks for being here. I'm really excited. So, uh, so, oh my gosh, I have so many. I have 10,000 questions to ask you. Um, but the first one is just why? Why? How did you get into all of this? How did you how did you start this whole thing? I know I'm going to start with the hard hitting journalistic question. <laughs> Listen, it was an accident. Yeah, it was 100 percent an accident. I came to TikTok and the spring of 2020, right after the shutdown, um, I had just had a baby, like literally weeks before. I was drowning in postpartum depression. My house was totally not functioning. I was overwhelmed. My husband had just started a new job as an attorney. Um, yeah. It's like, and literally his first job, like he just got out of law school. So he's working seven days a week. And Oof. I live in a city where I don't have any family around and I have a newborn and a two-year-old. And my sister tells me to get on TikTok and I do. And I'm like, what is this dancing? I hate it. Um, but she like pushes <laughs> me, like you gotta put in the work. And I was like, all right. And I posted like some videos here and there. Um, 
And then one day I posted my sort of like, at this point, famous five things tidying TikTok. Um, And I almost didn't post it. Like, I was like, is this, is this stupid? Like, is this not valuable? Like, are people going to be like, this is common sense. Um, Are people going to like judge me for how messy my house is? But I did it anyways. And people, I was just surprised how many people resonated with it, particularly how many people said, I've never had a piece of cleaning advice that's ever helped me until this one. Yeah. And I just sort of started answering questions and, you know, because I'm a therapist, the amount of people that said, like, I feel so much shame over not being able to clean or tidy. Then I started answering that. And I just started talking to people and I, TikTok is like the perfect platform for me because I'm not a great writer. Um, it's hard for me to think of things to say for a long periods of time. But if people are asking me questions, I could talk for a million years. <laughs> I, I and, like that. Well, okay. So, well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, so you said that you're not a great writer, but like here you are on version two of how to keep house while drowning. So how did, how did that come about? So after about six months of talking about you know, cleaning how the intersection between like mental health and cleaning house and the relation to your, to your space, people would jump in, start following me and ask questions. And I would want to be like, just go to the, the beginning of the TikTok and watch them all. Because I'd sort of developed like these foundational principles that I felt people needed to kind of grasp before building upon that. Mm-hmm. So I originally had the idea to write the book because I just wanted there to be a place for people to go to sort of take in all of the philosophy at once. Yeah. And I had these ideas and I kept sitting down at a blank piece of paper, like word doc and not being able to do anything. And over and over and over and over and over, I've always wanted to write a book. And so what I did was I thought, okay, screw it. I went back to the beginning of my TikTok and I started transcribing word for word, every TikTok where I talked about like a concept that I wanted to put in the book. Yeah. And then I sort of edited it for readability and Then I was like, okay, the next step is to like string all these concepts together into like a a chapter book. And Katie, I couldn't do it. (laughs) Like I couldn't organize in my head, like how, how did, how they all connected. Yeah. And so for weeks I just stared at it and stared at it. And I finally came to the conclusion that I could either publish a book that was just a bunch of disjointed paragraphs or I could not publish a well-done real book. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to just, I'm just going to publish it as disjointed paragraphs. Um, and, and it ended up being like 60 pages. And like, as most of the people that have ever read the first edition know, like the chapters are like a few paragraphs a piece. I love it though, because of that, you know, like it's, it's, I mean, I know that this is an interview about you, but we're also working on our book and it's, we're, we're having the same thing. Like we're completely overwhelmed all the time trying to figure it out. And like, honestly, I saw your, like when, when I got your book, I was like, oh, this is just how I should write the book. Like, this is just this, it's a perfect model. It's perfect. 100% is how you should read it, write it. Because here's the thing, Katie, is that everyone that read it was like, Man, I wish I could show you some of the emails. Like one that I'll never forget was this woman who said, my husband died five years ago and I used to love to read, but since he died, I have not been able to read one book until yours. 
people who have ADHD, people who are autistic, people that have learning disabilities saying, this is the first book I've been able to read. This is the first time I haven't been overwhelmed. Like there was information in this book I knew could help me and I could actually access it. Yeah. And the most incredible thing is like people now it's like the big interview question is like, what gave you the idea to like write a book that's so accessible for readers? Mm -hmm. And the answer is like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't write a book to be accessible to readers. I wrote a book that was accessible to me to write it. Yeah. I mean, that is the only way I could write it. And it ended up being like exactly what everyone needed. And so I love it. It's like my neurodivergence, my, like my limitations Mm -hmm. ended up creating a book that was perfect for the limitations of the people that wanted to access the material. I mean, it's phenomenal is what it is. I love it so much. Uh, it's like, it was like, it's like sitting literally like on my bedside table right now. I was going to bring it up because I was like, oh, I should like have it for the interview. But I was like, no, it's in my spot where I'm reading it. Um, but okay. So you, you actually said something really interesting about like just the, the, the ability to access information. And yeah. so like, I'm, I'm really interested in your background as a therapist because I feel like, you know, you came to TikTok and we, we like, it's weird too, because like we've had very similar TikTok journeys, I think in a lot of ways, um, but you're like a professional and I'm just some dipshit on the internet. Um, <laughs> but like, how, like, how do you find, or like, I guess, how do you think about making your message accessible? Like what goes into that process? Well, it was interesting by way of the book, um, when, you know, the book got picked up by Simon and Schuster and we talked about, we want to expand the book. We knew we wanted to make it longer. My number one, um, like goal was to continue to have the book be accessible Mm -hmm. and talking about like creative ways that we could do that. And, and that's how we came up with the idea. You know, we kept the chapter short, but that's also how we came up with the idea of like the shortcut through the book. Mm-hmm. and bolding all of the main points, putting in the literal metaphors, like all these things so that people could continue to do that and doing the audiobook. And I think that TikTok itself is just like kind of geared towards minds like ours. Yeah. Like I told someone the other day, like, okay, if I had like six subjects I wanted to learn about, like, let's say I want to learn about ADHD, anti-racism, meteorology and, (laughs) and like, you know, like just six subjects. Yeah. If you gave me like six audiobooks, I wouldn't get through them. Yeah. Or if you gave me like six lectures or six, like I wouldn't get through them. But if you gave me one feed and you took all six of those subjects and broke those like hours long lectures into 30 second increments and allowed me to listen to all six lectures simultaneously 30 seconds at a time, like (laughs) I would learn so much. And I have learned so much, like it's the perfect platform for like, I, these are all subjects I'm interested in, but at the same time, I need them in small clips. And so it hits all of those, like every swipe is novel. Yeah. Every swipe feels urgent. (laughs) Every swipe is interesting. And it's fascinating to me how like I couldn't, I mean, I have a CEU about ADHD that I want to get through desperately and it's so hard, (laughs) but yet like I learned so much through the psychologists on TikTok because they're giving it to me in these 30 second increments. And so I think that like, some of it is I'm getting better about it, 
talking um, and making things, it just, it makes me be as short as possible, I guess, is what it is. No, that's, that makes total sense. Um, Well, okay. And one of the things that I was, and this, I'm going to confess this to you. So I don't know if you know this or not, but when I first started watching your content, I was like, oh, she has ADHD. Like, I was like, clearly she's a mom with ADHD and she has like her ADHD house. Like, oh, this is great. I love this lady's content. And then at some point in like one of your videos, you said, I don't have ADHD. I was like, bitch, what? (laughs) And then, and then like later on, like, just like in the past year, right. You got your official diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what what was that like? (laughs) This is like the funniest story to this day. Okay. So you have to understand like background wise, like, I, I come to TikTok, like I start talking about like these weird ways in which I think about my home and how yeah. I was like optimizing my home. And I'm also like going through this journey at the same time as the audience. Like I begin optimizing my home as I'm talking to people about optimizing my home. Yeah. And um, the first thing I notice is that like so many people who are saying like, wow, this is really helping me say like, I'm ADHD. This really helps me. And I'm like, huh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, and I, and people start to say like, are you ADHD? And so what happens for me is that like, I have this weird, like imposter syndrome almost where like, I, yes, I'm, yes, I have some mental health struggles, but I also like, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm relatively happy. Like I, so I have what, what I have in my mind is like, I want to be transparent and authentic. I never want to pretend to be quote unquote, like more mentally ill than I am to gain followers. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't want to like pretend to be ADHD to gain followers and things like that. So, and I have this fear that like, if I talk about some of these struggles that I have, people who know me in real life are going to be like, Oh, she's pretending to like be broken now. Yeah. Because I have like a, a pretty successful career, like with the exception of addiction in my teenage years, like I was pretty good at school. Um, like I'm pretty intelligent, all the, all these things where the stereotypical picture of what it looks like to be ADHD was not something that I related to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Um, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> right. And so but people, literally my followers kept saying, KC, like, we're not trying to diagnose you, but goddamn girl, like this looks exactly like ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that like the impetus to like go seek diagnosis then? Li- literally. Okay. Literally. That's fascinating to me. Like, I was told by my followers, go get a freaking assessment. Um, and, and I had this, it was weird. I really did feel like, well, I don't deserve to call myself neurodivergent. I've been relatively successful. Like there's nothing to which I can point that has really like hung me up. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was seeing a psychiatrist at the time for postpartum depression mm-hmm. and I just switched to a new one because the one I was seeing, like only sees you for your first year postpartum. So I get to this new psychologist and I said, I also want to talk about like ADHD. And I was told by her staff that she's like, well, she, she will not diagnose or assess you. Like you have to go get the psychological testing for it Mm -hmm. and then she can treat you for it, which I think is probably just a common thing. Right. But she kind of just brings it up like, Oh, you say you had concerns here about ADHD. And I was like, yeah, she's like, well, what makes you think that you have ADHD? And I remember thinking like, 
I'm about to say something really embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I was like, so, you know, TikTok. She was like, yeah. I was like, I have a rather large TikTok following. Um, and they have all told me that they that they think I have ADHD. She was like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I just like, I really relate to a lot of the people who are talking about have ADHD and yada, yada, yada. And she was like, okay, so like what things in your life make you think that? And um, because it was a like telehealth one, mm-hmm. I was like, so for example, and I like bring her into my kitchen, right? Which looks like it hasn't been cleaned in several days. Yeah. And I'm like, so for example, I've been trying to create this system where I can make my house functional. And so I have this little list and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. I'm like moving things all around my desk. And I'm like, here it is, here it is. Here's the list. Um, and, and there's only five things on this list, but you see Dr. S um, if I don't look at the list, I can't remember the five things. It's the five things, same order every night. And I can't remember it. In fact, I can't remember anything. And I'm starting to think that the only reason that I ever know what in my house needs to be done is because I see it, but then I start doing something else and I forget about it, but then I see it again and I realize it, but like, that's no way to live. I can't keep track of all these tasks just as I'm visually seeing them and everything has to be visually organized. I can't do apps. I can't do running notes in my mind. Like everything has to be, I I said, I, I, I look like somebody who is putting together a conspiracy board, like with the strings (laughs) and the pictures and yes, I, that, that is how I have to organize my whole life. So I do this for like 10 minutes straight. And then she goes, "Mm Hmm. Well, I will send you some self assessments, (laughs) but you, uh, this is a very clear presentation of adult female ADHD. I'm like really uh, proud of you in this moment. <laughs> I'll send you the assessments, but you can, you can take it to the bank. So this woman, like, she doesn't even make me go get the testing. She's like, Oh no, this is very clear. <laughs> and oh, since man. then, like it's since then, it's so obvious now yeah. that I know what's happening and yeah. so many things in my life make sense because she starts asking me, this is the other part that's wild. She starts asking me about my childhood. And I said, well, I always did well in school unless there was addiction present. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I always sat in the front of the class. I always listened. I said, but I never did my homework, but I always listened to the lectures. The lectures were always interesting. And so what I would do in school is I'd sit in the front. I would listen to the lectures. I'd participate in class. And then I would ace every single test and quiz, but I never did my homework. But because of the way the grades were weighted, um, I could get zeros on every homework assignment, still get an A in the class. Yeah. I said, and when I moved up to high school, they did not weight grades that way. And when I moved to high school, the things on the test were over things that we didn't go over in class. Mm-hmm. It was things you read in the homework. And in grade school, it wasn't like that. There were, it wasn't like extra stuff you were reading that you didn't also hear in lecture. And she was like, I mean, yeah. The- <laughs> Yeah. Like, so what you're saying is like, when you were in a structure, you did well. And when you left that classroom, you either forgot to write down the assignment, you closed the notebook and forgot that the assignment was written down. You had no external structure for getting this homework done. And I was like, yeah, but I also like, I, I was not distracted. Right. Cause that picture of like the young white boy who can't yep. sit still. 
And that's when she explains to me, like, you know, ADHD isn't about not being able to pay attention. It's about not being able to regulate your attention. Yeah. And the reason nobody caught it in you, Casey, is because you were interested in school. I just, how the fuck are we the same person? That's what I, <laughs> dear Lord. Um, well, okay. Speaking of being the same person, um, yeah. one of the things that I, tr- like, and I being real, truly yeah. appreciate about your content is that you show your house, you show the mess, you show the clutter, you, you show the, the, I won't say disorganization, but you know, the organization that works for you. And sure. It was one of the first times, like, and and it's so funny because people say this to me, but now I'm saying it to you, but it's like, it was one of the first times that I saw somebody's house that looked like mine. It was the first time that I was like, oh my God, like you can be a brilliant, intelligent woman and like also have a kitchen that looks like a kitchen, you know? Um, And so like, I guess like, I feel like I'm like wasting you on the podcast if I don't ask you for like, you know, your like top five pieces of advice. But first, I want to hear about the magnets. Oh, the magnets. <laughs> how did, Man. okay, how did the magnets start? How did the mag- okay. magnets happen? Are they working still? Is this, is this a new, like, how's it, how's it going with the magnets? Okay, so my, so as you guys know, heard, like, my husband's a lawyer. Um, I was actually a stay-at-home mom when I started my TikTok channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, since my TikTok channel took off. I wrote the book and I have a website and I have all these other projects. And so I actually, a few months ago transitioned, or I guess admitted to myself, like, I'm not a stay at home mom. I'm actually a work at home mom. Like I'm actually working. I actually have a lot of things to do. And, um, my husband and I hired someone to, to nanny our two small kids during the day so that I had this protected time to work. So we had this big transition where I went from basically a a full-time stay-at-home mom to a working parent. So with that, like my husband and I realized like we really need to redivide our like division of family labor in the home Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we've had some shifts and I had learned about this book called Fair Play which is written by Eve Rodsky and she's a a lawyer and she basically wrote this book about dividing labor and about how so many marriages end in divorce over the issue of division of labor. Yeah. Um, And it's not as simple as who's cleaning the toilets. It's about like this growing resentment from the person socialized as a woman that they're carrying all of this mental load, all of these tasks, um, and they begin to feel resentful and unappreciated. And it eventually erodes their trust and respect of each other. Yeah. Um, And she came up with this system for fairly dividing labor between sort of heteronormative couples. And I really wanted, I mean, I get questions about division of labor a lot on my channel. And so I was like, this is the perfect example. This is a perfect opportunity. Let's use this system because a, I think it would help us B, then I can talk about it on my TikTok channel. So my husband's like, great, whatever, sign me up. So (laughs) we read this book and in the book, she basically says like, she lists out all of these different like tasks and spheres. And she does a good job of both like the physical tasks, like who's going to pick up the kid, but also like the mental labor, like who's thinking about charity or who's thinking about the mental health of, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And she has this card deck, um, which has like, I think 86 cards 
And she basically devises it like a game, like you, you deal the deck and you have these times when you come back together and talk about whether it's working and you can redeal the deck and, you know, some cards you're maybe redealing from day to day, right? Like we, if you really, both of you hate dishes, maybe you're redealing dishes every day. Like today I'm dishes, tomorrow you're dishes. And then maybe you have like the romance card where it's like this month, I'm thinking about setting up our dates and the next month you are. So we deal this deck, you know, there's like 76 tasks that we come up with, but now I have like a deck of 76 cards and me being ADHD, like, I'm like, I'm like, this isn't visual enough for me. Like, I'm not going to remember all of these tasks. Um, and, and Michael mentioned something similar, like, how am I going to remember all of this? Yeah. (laughs) Particularly because there are tasks that switch back and forth at different frequencies. Yeah. So, um, that's when I had this idea, like what I want to do is like put each task on a little magnet, like the mag, these magnets are like a little bit bigger than a quarter and get like a big magnet board and like split it in half. Like, okay, here's your tasks. Here's my tasks. That way, like we can, when we're switching tasks, like just move the little icon across and we can see big picture what we're doing. And the other thing that's incredible about it is that it really gives like a sense of appreciation because visually like you're looking and seeing how much labor like both of you are doing for that family. Yeah. Um, so I went to Etsy and I found this, this like Etsy shop called the buttercup house. Mm -hmm. She makes, um, chore magnets. That's so fun. I email her and I'm like, I have a custom list and she's like, great. And (laughs) she made me these custom magnets, 76 magnets. And she actually messaged me the other day and was like, are you famous on the internet? And I was like, mm. she was like, cause I'm getting a lot of orders. And <laughs> I was um, going to say, I was like, and then her life changed forever. <laughs> she's like, can I share the list with people? And I'm like, yes, share the list. So it's mostly Eve Rodsky's fair playlist, but then we added some extra things that like pertain to us. Yeah. And, um, so now I have these 76 magnets and I'm like, I, I'm going to go probably today and like get a board. And the thing that I love about this system, Katie, is that like her whole thing revolves around this concept called unicorn space. And the unicorn space is the the place in which you reclaim the right to be interesting. Okay. And I like this. This is particularly something that comes up when couples have been together a long time, especially after they have children. Yeah. Because when you get bogged down as the main family labor person, because care tasks are cyclical and never ending, like you very quickly can run out of having any time, space, or energy to do anything other than fulfill your role in that family. Yeah, absolutely. And so the unicorn space is your right to be interesting, where you have to pick something that makes you feel one of the following like words, alive, passionate, interesting, captivated, or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember the exact words. Mm -hmm. And so like this whole conversation about division of labor, it's the way she sets it up. It's not about, you do this, usually the toy, it's both of us are individual people who deserve to be passionate and have lives and identities outside of whatever role we're playing in this family. Yeah. And so you start by picking your unicorn space. Um, and so like I picked 
I'm actually doing a podcast with a friend of mine that has nothing to do with anything I do on TikTok. Um, And it's just fun. Right. And so I'm like, this is my unicorn space. This is the thing I'm going to do. And, and you make this commitment of like the whole point of dividing our labor is so that like we can protect each other's time and space and capacity to like do these things. Um, So in my board, it's going to be like name at the top. And then there's going to be a line that says unicorn space so that like whatever (laughs) season and you can change your thing. Right. But like it's written there. Um, And it's amazing because now like let's say that let's say that my husband chooses like golf, like he loves golf, but he has not had the time to play golf in a long time. Mm But now instead of going to play golf, being a thing where it's like, oh man, I really shouldn't leave Casey home with the kids or me being like, oh, he's going to play golf. It's like, I'm excited for him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then underneath that is going to be our magnets and our magnets are broken up into several categories. So the first category of magnets is called the daily grind. These are the tasks that have to be done every single day, day in, day out, pretty much like on its own schedule. So these are things like dishes, laundry, feeding, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so we make sure that those are well balanced. And then there are things that are like purely mental labor. So like spirituality, um, the mental health of our children, romance, special needs, things that like they might have some tasks related to them, but the majority of the labor is just like making the time to think about it. Yeah. And then we have our tasks that are related to our home, but they don't have to be done every day. So we divide those up Mm -hmm. and then we have our children tasks, things related to our children and we divide those up. And the whole idea of the magnet is like when you own it, and this is what Eve says, you own the CPE, which is conception, planning, execution. I like that because that's not like, well, write me a list and I'll do it. It's no, I'm going to make the list myself. We love that. We love that. And I think it's perfect for people who are neurodivergent because it gives you, it empowers you to create the system that works for you. Mm -hmm. So like if I have dishes and I decide, well, if I'm the one loading up the dishwasher at night, I know what my like unique barriers around dishes are. Like I know that I'm not somebody who can get dishes into the dishwasher as I go along. Um, Like I work better with having like, not thinking about dishes forever and then having 20 minutes to think about dishes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also overwhelmed by a big stack of dishes. Mm -hmm. I'm also like overwhelmed with dishes in the sink. So like when I decide I'm going to get a dish rack and we're going to put our dirty dishes on the dish rack all throughout the day, because then at the end of the day, I can set aside time to load the dishwasher, but then because they're organized, it's not visually overwhelming to me. Yeah. And our sink is functional all day long. Like basically the idea is like my partner doesn't get to say shit (laughs) (laughs) because it's mine. I own the whole thing. I can come up with whatever system. Now, obviously he gets a say into whether that impedes on like his functioning in the house. Yeah. But like I own laundry and we don't, we don't fold our clothes. Yeah. Well, okay. I want to talk to you about that specifically because this is a true story. I did a a lecture last night for a group of uh, professional organizers. And I think I talked about you more than I talked about myself, like dead (laughs) ass. Um, But I like, one of the things that came up was like, how do you develop systems? And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So there's this lady, her name is Domestic Blisters. But I'm fast, like, and again, like I'm, I'm, I'm fangirling out a little bit. It's fine. We're all fine. But like you were one of the first like 
people and I did I wasn't interacting like you know I was like we like I just TikTok but you were one of the first people who like we're just like, Hey, the system doesn't have to be like a, you know, quote unquote, normal system if it works for you. And I was like, Oh, my brain is exploding. <laughs> like how, like I, I'm so fascinated in what, like first, like how you came to sort of that discovery of like, it's okay to not fold your laundry. Cause like I put my laundry in bins and I have felt guilty about that for years, you know? Um, so like, how did you come to like, creating those systems that just work for you and honestly like fuck everybody else and then like how did you go about if you did like just kind of like releasing that guilt and shame surrounding like the expectation that like it's supposed to be something different because i'm fascinated by your work in this so this is something random but um i love gray's anatomy (laughs) and there's like this pivotal scene that's burned into my mind when so Christina Yang is like one of the most talented like surgeons on the team right and she's like top of her class top of the whatever there's this pivotal like burned into my brain scene where she takes her boyfriend like her boyfriend's like why don't we ever spend the night at your apartment and she finally takes him to his apartment and she like gives him this debrief before she opens the door and is like I remember no this episode. See. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yes. yes. I remember this episode, but proceed for those who haven't. She's like, no matter what you see, like, please still love me. Basically. Like I, I can't prepare you for this. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like there's gonna be dead bodies in there or something. So she opens the door and it is the messiest apartment you've ever seen. And she like reveals that instead of doing laundry, she just buys new underwear every week. and he like looks around and you can see it on her face she's like bracing for the rejection and the judgment Mm -hmm. and he just looks at her and says and he's like a really really tidy guy so he just looks at her and goes okay and that's it Mm -hmm. and like she has this moment where she's loved despite the fact that she has shown this like deep, dark secret of being a messy person. Yeah. And I, I don't even know how I'm going to connect that to anything else I'm going to say, but like that actually had a really big impact on me as a person. Yeah. Because I am that way. Like I am the person who early in my marriage made salmon and then didn't wash dishes for two weeks and got maggots. Yeah. Like I am that person who you know, has had coffee cups mold on my bedside table while I look at it every day and go, oh God, I should do something about that. I want you to know like, right now there is a moldy coffee cup on this desk, like on oh a I was like, yep, that's, yep. I just noticed it. I was like, oh yeah, it's been there for like three days. I said, great, cool, cool, cool. And I think that getting sober at a really young age and having to do a lot of work around worthiness mm-hmm. and a lot of work around, um, like being 100% honest about myself and the things that I thought were shameful and getting into that practice of both doing a lot of therapy and doing a lot of recovery work where you're encouraged to like, just put your whole self out there. And I just, I really did have enough times and enough experiences where I said the thing that I thought was going to doom me to rejection and worthlessness. And somebody did not run screaming from the room. Yeah. 
Like that experience over and over and over solidified for me, this idea that I am a person that is worthy. And um, I really got into a lot of Brene Brown's work and Dr. Kristen Neff, who talk about shame, vulnerability, and self-compassion. And, you know, I was a therapist for a long time in the realm of addiction. But the other thing that I did was um, I was a compliance manager. Mm. I'm a, I'm sort I'm a weirdo in that I love <laughs> the therapy aspect, but I also am somebody who worked in healthcare compliance. So I was the person who was designing systems. Mm-hmm. I would read the giant manual of like the joint commission for hospital policies. <laughs> and I would figure out like, there's all these things you have to do. And I, and my brain just naturally worked in this way where it's like, okay, if we have to meet all of these goals and do all these things and follow all these policies, we're going to have to create systems that get all of these things done because no person's just going to remember this list. Right. And so creating um, a system for quality control and all these things that feel very vague, but actually had very specific systems. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, Katie. Like I loved coming up with systems for how to get things done. And I never worked at a place for more than a couple of years because what I love to do is go into a place, figure out what's wrong, fix it. And then I get bored and I want to leave. Yeah. That, and I always thought that I was just irresponsible. And that was like a bad thing about me because I don't have like, so, um, but it's not, it's just my brain. And so I think that like this background of creating systems to solve problems, um, and being a therapist and having like a pretty good sense of worthiness and things like that. But I'd never actually applied any of that to my home until I started my TikTok channel. Mm -hmm. Um, there were a few things that I had sort of like my little five things tidying, right? But I really what happened was like the, the universe just took an ADHD brain that is good at systems that tends to hyper focus on things anyways and locked me in my house for two weeks. And so I genuinely just started like I'm incapable of thinking like deeply about things and I didn't have anything else to think about. Mm-hmm. And so I just like started looking around and having philosophical fucking thoughts about my laundry (laughs) and creating systems. And then people were into it. And then I liked that. I mean, it literally was like, I'm convinced you just, they just took my undiagnosed, unmedicated ADHD brain, locked it in a house where I didn't have anything to think about except for my chronic laundry pile. And I just started fixing shit and creating systems and it wasn't, it was hard for me to give myself permission to go outside of the box. But when somebody would ask, when someone would say, um, you know, I just can't seem to get my laundry folded. I'd be like, well, stop folding it. And I'd be like, wait, I should stop folding it too. (laughs) I, I've, I have 10,000 more questions, but we have, it's, it's getting to be the wrap up time. And now I'm sad. Cause I just want to have this conversation for forever. Um, okay. So this is, this is going to be the, the, the lightning round. Um, what is like your number one piece of advice for like the person who might be listening to this going, like, I have just found you, I've just found your content. Like I'm just starting this journey on my own. Like, what is your advice for that? Like first, first day of like, it's time to accept yourself for who you are. Yeah. My first advice is 
to hear this sentence. And the sentence is this, care tasks are morally neutral. They have nothing to do with being a good or bad person. That we're gonna stop thinking about whether something is good enough. And we're gonna start thinking about whether something functions in your home. And that you are a person who deserves to function even if you don't like yourself. And there's nothing actionable about that advice or step. And I think that that's important. Like we all, we often want to jump into these big intricate systems because we think, oh, this is it. This is going to revolutionize it. This is going to (laughs) whatever. Like this is why every book about how to optimize your life is like behind me on my shelf. And very few of those habits am I still doing? Yeah. And so I think that, allowing yourself the time to just sort of marinate on the idea that the way that you do or don't do care tasks or approach care tasks is, has nothing to do with your character. I was, I just like, again, I know that I'm interviewing you, but I just want to say for the record that you were the first person who told me that. And that changed my life. And I'm so grateful to you for that. Like, I was like, oh, I don't have to feel like a shitty person for not. Okay. Okay. What, what? That's a shift. (laughs) Um, Okay. Second question. What is the most useful thing that you own that you feel like every neurodivergent person should have? Oh man, there are so many, um, but you can like, you can like lightning round it too. If you want to do like more than one, it's okay. This is not, I'm going to give you, (laughs) yeah, as far as like products go, there are two things. Um, I have two timers in my life that are incredible, right? I have a big, what's called a visual timer. It's a big round timer. And when you turn the dial, it, it like makes whatever time a different color, And this is really helpful for time blindness when you don't, you have a hard time conceptualizing time because what it does is that it allows you to visual visualize time as a percentage. Yeah. As as, instead of a number. Yeah. Um, That's really helpful. My kids also use it. Um, They, they respond well to it. It's really helpful for, okay, I'm going to do something for 15 minutes. Um, That is something I use for care tasks. So that is super helpful um, for timing myself in care tasks. If I have to do a care task that I find boring or sort of a low dopamine, giving myself that visual timer. Um, when it comes to work, like things that, like that I do at a desk, um, the cube timer is life-changing for me. <clears throat> um, so a cube timer is literally what it sounds like. It's a big cube. On each face, there is a different time Um So like five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and you can get them that have different time increments too. And the way that it works is that when you flip the cube, whatever time increment is facing up automatically starts a timer. Very cool. Um, And the reason that this is so helpful is because I learned early on, just like when we were talking about like the TikTok thing, like if I can do multiple things at once, like, let's say I want to read a book. I would sit down and I would start my phone alarm for like 15 minutes. I'd read for 15 minutes. It'd go off. I'd set it for five minutes. I'd look at TikTok for five minutes. Then I'd go back to 15 minutes and I would sort of flip back and forth between two tasks Mm -hmm. so that I never got bored and I kept making progress on them. Um, And this cube timer allows me to do that without looking at my phone. Oh, that's nice. 
And so it's, it's flip, 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 flip. It's really tactily satisfying to do the yeah, flip. Like, I don't get dis- yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't get distracted by other things. But the other thing that I use it for is my time blindness when it comes to um, so much of what I do is kind of creative stuff at my desk, but then I'll have like a, something that I have to be at. So like this podcast, for example. So let's say that I sit down at my desk at 9am and I know I need to be at a podcast at 10. Like I will look and go, okay, it's nine look down, do something for five minutes and then look up and I'm 15 minutes late to this podcast. Listen, I was in <clears throat> on the floor with the dog at 10 56 and I went, Oh shit. And it like, I just came running to my computer. That's real. It's so, it's so frustrating. And um, the way that I, the way that I will try to avoid that is even worse because then I'm looking up every two minutes, right? You're like, Oh, I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. <laughs> So what I do is I take my, my timer and I'll go, okay, I have to be somewhere in an hour and I'll put it on 30 minutes. Nice. And it'll click and I'll look up at 30 minutes and then I'll put it on 20 minutes and then 10 and then five. So I'm using it to visual to, I'm using it to orient myself to the time. Yeah. Without having to frantically look up or worry about getting lost. Like I can safely get lost in something knowing that I have this system for orienting myself to how close I'm getting to needing to stop. Yeah. I love that. And I love not checking your phone either. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to apologize for the next question, but if I don't ask it, Eric will be grumpy. <sighs> if you're a regular listener of Infinite Quest, you know what's coming. Okay, Casey Davis, a uh, magical yes. fairy appears in front of you and you have your choice you can either speak every language in the world fluently and beautifully instantly or option b you can play every musical instrument in the world like virtuoso level a or b what do you choose you can only choose one do people struggle with this? Because yes. I, I would never um, choose anything but speaking all those languages. See, it's, it's fascinating. People, okay, would you like to expound on why? You don't yeah, have to, man. Don't want to. <laughs> well, I think because, um, do you ever do like Enneagram stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I thought that I was an Enneagram 8 because I'm very, you know, um, extroverted and principled and all this stuff, whatever. Um, and when it told me that I was a nine, I was like, what a helper. (laughs) Um, but when, when the Enneagram broke down, like it's about why you do things. Uh And I realized that that was so true for me because like I experience a meaningful life directly related to feeling as though I'm being helpful. Yeah. And so what comes up for me in that question is like, I would be so needed and so useful if I spoke every language. That makes sense. That's a great answer. But there's, is a fearsome contested debate uh, here on the podcast. It's a lot of, a lot of A's, a lot of, yeah, a lot of B's, a lot more B's. I see, I always say that I would choose A too, but a lot of people choose B. It's fascinating. And they're the, the answers are always very different. It's really, it's really fun. It's a great question. I love it. I just think about how many social situations where there's like a conundrum where I would be like, it's me. I have the perfect thing that can fix and solve this problem. You just like jump out like, hello, I spoke, I spoke your language all along. It'd be great. And let me tell you like so many things that I now know have to do with me being ADHD were 
I spent my whole life being told that that those traits were me being selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, egotistical. And and don't get me wrong, Katie, like I was actually all of those things for like a period of my life. Yeah. But the mistake that got made was like I I internalized that it was my personality. Yeah. That was shitty. Not that like I needed to learn to orient my personality to think of others. Yeah. Like I, I like to be helpful. I experience meaning in being helpful and being thought of as being helpful. And like, there are ways in my life in which like I have been unboundaried and self-serving and like my need to want to feel helpful has been more important than whether I'm actually helping. Like, absolutely. Um, but Today, I have a pretty good and healthy outlook on, okay, when am I centering myself? When am I, you know, I need to have some boundaries over it. But at the end of the day, also being like, it's okay. It's okay that I like to solve problems. It's okay that I like to um, learn things and teach people things. And I can learn to not have my identity bound up in that without hating the personality that I have. Yeah, no, that's. I feel like that's a really hard lesson to learn. And again, we might be the same person. Like there's like, I can think of so many times where I have really centered myself in places where I didn't need to, but it's because I was desperate to be helpful. I was desperate to like, be like, oh, maybe if I like insert myself into this problem, they'll like me. And it's like, so much of that is foundationally based in like neurodivergency and like that kind of like need to fit in when like, it's like the world doesn't exactly fit the way that you feel like you're supposed to. Like, I, I totally Mm -hmm. relate to that so hard. And it doesn't Uh, like, it doesn't like justify when I make mistakes, but what it does do is that the mistakes that I make are always out loud. Yes. Like my good friend is, um, introverted on the spectrum. Um, and she struggles with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so like the way that she enters a scenario is like, sit back, listen, don't do something that you might make a mistake. Um, But like internally, she could be like centering herself just as much as me. Yeah. But she's not going to say something impulsively, do something impulsively, do whatever. So like she and I could be the exact amount of like self-absorbed or insecure in a moment. Yeah. But because of my personality, Like I'm going to do like socially unacceptable or like mistake out loud. Yeah. And so like she and I had such different experiences going through the same experiences where like I internalized like, oh, it's obvious when I'm like being sort of off center. Yeah. That makes total sense. Oh, I don't ever want this conversation to end, but we have to stop recording. Okay. Uh, Casey Davis, Domestic Blisters, tell them, tell the people where they can find you and where they can buy your book. Okay. So my book is How to Keep House While Drowning. Um, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Indie Bound, um, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, my website is strugglecare.com. And there's actually a book tab where you can see exactly where all the places that you can buy it. It's also on audio. Um, it is released on April 26th of 2022. So depending on when you're hearing this, um, you can either pre-order it now or you can order it if it's out. Um, I also am on TikTok as Domestic Blisters. And I do have Instas and 
uh, Facebooks. I'm not as active on those, but you can get those at Struggle Care. Great. Uh, and just for dear listener, I will link all of the things ever uh, in the the show notes. And then I will also make a special K- Casey gets her own page here on 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 Infinite Quest. So we'll we'll hook you up with a, on the extra section of the website so you can find all the links and I'll link like the cube and stuff, too. It'll be it'll be great. Um, nice. Well, Casey, thank you so much for being here. This I have admired your work for so long. I look up to you so much. I'm so grateful that you took time out of your very busy schedule. Um, but thanks. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This was wonderful. <laughs>